Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined Pro Wrestling Hangout. Garrett Callender, Chris Miggs here, and guess what? Today is Predetermined's sixth birthday, uh, as of this record. Isn't that, that's crazy. Six years of this nonsense? <laughs> it's a long time to be just bullshitting about wrestling. Um, also, the six-year-old thing makes a lot of sense. You know, we've been pushing a lot of boundaries lately. We've been trying mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, who are we and what are we to the world? You know, I have an almost six-year-old, and I can see her considering those questions. And I think as a podcast, <laughs> we're considering the same. So I think if we had to answer out loud, what are we to the world, it would maybe hurt our feelings. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it would just, you know, we're here. We're here for you, listeners, because clearly there's something we're doing that you enjoy. And so we just want to keep giving that to you because if you keep listening, it must mean that you like it. What's the matter with you, by the way, (laughs) that you've been here for this long? There, (laughs) We've... You know, there's been some ups and downs in this show. We've gone through different hosts. We've gone through, there's been a couple hiatuses, but you keep coming back. And, uh, I mean, things have changed a little. I mean, if you go back to the very beginning, um, Derek enjoyed doing more analysis of things. Uh, we used to do uh, say something nice at the end. We threw that out the window, and then yeah. we brought in penis cocaine. Yeah. We, we sometimes we just don't have nice things to say. We've given up on that. Um, you guys were doing um, fan fiction. That's a thing. That's, you know, that's a thing to remember. That's from the first year. So that's from year one. Yeah, that was somewhere in year one, maybe towards the end of year one. But that's that blows my mind. When do we hang it up? When do we leave our boots in the middle of the ring and walk away without shoes? That's a great question, Garrett. Um, I, I think maybe if maybe if Okada signs with WWE, that's a sign. Maybe it's just <laughs> over. The era of this podcast is just like, we should just give this up. We should just go back to writing fan fiction and just sharing it amongst ourselves. I would read Okada fan fiction right now. <laughs> Do you, can you imagine? Can you imagine if there's an, a Monday Night Raw in which Okada has to wrestle Jizz? <laughs> See? Those are the fresh matchups that USA is going to be missing out on once it goes over to. Ne- he's just a big mark for Netflix. This mm. Okada, he he said that's where they keep all of my late era Adam Sandler movies. Mm-hmm. That's where they keep. I don't know. I think Friends is there. Love Breaking is blind. Bad, Japan. Okada. Yeah, I think Okada's a big Love is Blind guy. I would love to know what media he takes in. He seems like, well, first of all, I I get the sense Japanese wrestlers don't watch a ton of, like they seem very busy. I assume they don't watch a crazy amount of TV unless maybe they're watching it together, like on the bus between towns, you know? So you think that Okada in Japan is busier than Ryback like in at the height of Ryback. Yes, I absolutely do. They both work out a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ryback even more. It's hard to say. <laughs> do you think, but I'm, I'm just imagining, I am just imagining the guys like 
watching a reality show on the bus ride and then just discussing it like kind of like a book club they're like okay we've each watched the newest episode of love is blind japan what do you guys think i think i think hiroki's gonna fall in love with ryu i think i really think that's that's what's gonna happen i think they're gonna make it those kids (laughs) i think okada's gonna show up at wrestlemania in philly collect like five to ten million dollars for a weekend and find cheesesteaks for the first time Mm. and then in six months you'll have visibly noticed a difference in okada's physique like (laughs) okada came here and became american (laughs) they did that was the thing i think when they did like the 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 dallas show um like they took him to whataburger (laughs) and he seemed very excited very did you have when you were in japan did you have a burger while you were there Oh, geez, I must have had one. I don't specifically recall it, though. I do remember, because I'm a, I'm a big burger guy. If I can get, like, mm, a big, burgers. fancy, gross burger, I want it. And I needed to try one there. Um, it was enough part of my persona at the time that I had to try a burger. And I remember being a little disappointed in the beef, but mm. it, maybe it was because that's what beef is supposed to taste like. And I'm used mm. to, like, beef that we've Americaned up. Like, this is... This is uh, the only beef I've ever had is beef that was it supported a border wall. <laughs> it was very American, very American. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he's it would be I think it'd be very interesting to see like what Okada was like after just like a year in America. Like his wife's just like, why? Like, when did you take up surfing? And I'm like, well, I've been hanging out with Nakamura again. And he says, "All really doesn't matter anything you do. I just don't care anymore. Him and Nakamura are just like the tag team champions on Raw. And they're just like, this is fine. Do you know how much money we're making? Sells his car. Thanks all Americans ride around on bird scooters. (laughs) This is great, guys. This is fun. Best case scenario for Okada in WWE. I mean, what is that? I mean, I guess best case is like, we see him wrestle Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, but I need to know what's the worst case scenario for Okada. What is the bottom of the barrel bullshit that the best wrestler in the world has to deal with once he gets over there to work his way up? Okada loses that match to Jizz that I talked about. That's the bottom. (laughs) He's like, please explain this Jizz to me. And they're like, well, he's like our evil. (laughs) Like, what? It's like if you mix kind of like evil and Yano, but just gave him a beard. You know? <laughs> oh, fuck. I. Yeah. I did wouldn't... watch the last Okada match in. Uh, well, not. Sorry. The last Cork and Hall Okada match. He's got a couple more New Japan ones coming up. It was good. Was it a multi man? Yeah, it was a six man. It was a six man title defense. Him and uh, Ishii and Tanahashi against TMDK. Which was Nichols and Haste and uh, Fujita, and um, very good match. Uh, in true New Japan fashion, Okada won. They just gave up the belts. They just didn't bother. They were just like, whatever. We know you know that he'd have to job. It wouldn't count really if they lost the titles now. So 
he can we'll just vacate them and we'll do a tournament or something it'll be fine no one can, it's the six man titles it's fine did uh did he get a big farewell did he give a give a nice speech and everybody gave him a standing ovation he gave he did give a speech people were the last few matches people were really cheering pretty hard for him um his speech uh made ishi cry a little bit which was kind of disturbing you know he wants the burgers over here. He's like, why can't that be me? Get me the fuck out of here, please. She's like, bring me over. We do K. We'll do a chaos. We'll do six mans. You, me, Nakamura. It's fine. I'll lose to Jizz. It's okay. <laughs> they describe a, like Ishi. It's like it's like well, his hand is so large because he he has to like wrap it so tight. Because to, to not feel the pain that flows through his body. And you're like, yeah, if he went to WWE and wanted to dog it for a few years, I'm in for Ishii just to, he's given me enough, you know. It's like when people are like, Suzuki could work harder. And it's like, that man's worked hard enough in his life. If he wants to just sort of cackle and throw forearms, that's fine. The thing is, like, after, I mean, we'll get into to why, but after this last week, Maybe that dumb shit doesn't have to be in WWE anymore. Maybe if Ishii went over there, he wouldn't be in an actual bulldog costume for his matches. <laughs> um, it's possible that they let writers write <laughs> and uh, come up with like interesting, nice storylines and not make everybody silly as fuck. I don't know what you're referring to, Garrett. Um. Do we talk about it? I mean, do we, yeah. we we have to like, look. I haven't it, uh, much like um, uh, Paul Levesque. I haven't read anything. Um, I heard uh, <laughs> there was some rumors. I I can't say that I've I'm aware of anything that actually would be in that. Um, again, and sorry, listeners. Much like Paul Levesque, I too was lying right there. Um, I was just <laughs> just riffing honestly and just trying to trying to make things feel better. Um, but yeah, that man's a liar. Good for that, him. I think we all knew that, but his press conference felt like everybody asking the first four questions were just Norm Macdonald. <laughs> Where like I I am going to make like a few jokes and uh that obviously like this is fucking horrible. Like I, everything yes. I read about Vince McMahon like it it made me physically ill like to my to my stomach reading that 67 pages of just pure ick it's truly Um, it's truly disgusting i think even beyond quite what we all imagined for vince it's really it's something If, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the details and you're at all squeamish about geez sexual assault uh very strange and gross sex power stuff just all sorts of terrible things like Again, even by Vince, what we imagined for Vince McMahon, this is low. And low. it makes it wo- even worse because it's so detailed. And you know it had been happening to so many. It was. It, there's no chance in hell it was just this girl. Yeah. It had to have been. I mean, how you saw how much hush money was spent. That's the only thing they fucking focused on to keep you away from the fucking crimes he was committing. Yes. Uh, Actual which, crimes really at the end of the day. When you sign an NDA, it doesn't count if what ha- you're signing it for is crime, right? 
Uh, yeah, probably not from like a legal perspective. I mean, I think from like a sorry, from a, a criminal law perspective, from a um, it, it, it should uh, protect you from a civil lawsuit. The issue here being that, um, again, A, I think she's claiming that what was beyond the pale is, again, something you couldn't actually do an NDA for. And also, he didn't pay all the money. So even if it's a valid NDA, um, he breached the, the terms by not paying her. Um, so, you know, that, that, that I think works too. And again, it's one of those things where I think it's like, a court probably wouldn't even rule on that for that reason because it's like it'd be very complicated to rule on what is and is appropriate is not appropriate for an NDA. But it's quite clear if someone doesn't pay what's intended in a contract, you don't have to, you know, if someone comes and tries to buy, you know, your house and they only pay a quarter of the money, they don't get to keep it. Um, and if someone tries to buy your silence, um, they've got they should have to pay all the money. So. So Paul gets to the microphone mm-hmm. after the Royal Rumble, which I watched the entire show of. Uh, I think you saw the beginning and a little of the end. Yeah, I watched. Um, I, I was sitting down to do something. I put on the I'd sort of out of habit. I was thinking to myself, should I even watch this? And then I just sort of did it, which is, I think is one of the scary things about like the monolithicness of WWE. It, it sort of has this thing like, like Facebook or Amazon or these things where you're just like, it's so big that you don't even feel too bad about supporting something that's clearly shitty just because you're, you're such a drop in the bucket. It's like, well, they just, they've got a billion dollar contract this week. Me, turning on the Royal Rumble for a minute isn't going to change very much. I don't know if that's a good thing answer or a bad answer to whether that's okay to do or not, but you know, I, I watched, I watched the women's rumble while I was, uh, while I was working on uh, some sketches for a show coming up. And uh, then I went out and as I was coming back, I texted you cause I knew the men's rumble was happening and you were describing to me how boring it was. Um, and then <laughs> I got to my house, like basically as, like the final four, like they'd gotten down to the last four guys. And I was like, well, I guess at this point I may as well see what the fuck happens. Well, after reading your texts, honestly, like as the night started, I was kind of excited. I thought the women's rumble was fun. I thought that they did a good thing with the rumble, which is we didn't see any fucking uh, old talent. Like we didn't see any legacy talent. Like Mm. we saw, current roster and we got to see all of the new people that i have no fucking clue who they are from nxt get to come in do a little showcase on this is who this person is and i saw a couple wrestlers i think the same thing happened last year but with way more legacy wrestlers if i remember correctly uh this one 30 women no legacy wrestlers and a handful of people i had never heard of that i thought were pretty great yeah jordan grace popped up which is fun for her very um, fun, um, which that is what makes us think like maybe Okada can have a one-off deal now. If he, if literally, like if he came in, it was like Tony. Do you care if I, or we? I mean, we don't know where he's going to end up, but can I go to WWE for one night? Yeah, please. I'd love to see Okada at WrestleMania for if it's only for a night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like when you imagine Okada. Uh, in WWE, the the upside is like, wow, WrestleMania Okada, that sounds great. But yeah, who really wants to see Okada like 
in Tulsa in July. You know, like, is that really what anyone will? I don't know. We'll see. Again, it's it's his life, and if he makes whoever offers him the most money. Although, I guess that's a question. I mean, I do wonder to some extent. I mean, wrestlers tend to be pretty compartmentalized about this stuff, but you, you do kind of wonder if some of the people are looking going like, well, you know, Tony Khan's not perfect, but I'd rather take his money than from the company that's employed and been run by Vince McMahon for 40 years, you know? Well, I mean, if that, if Endeavor is really going to clean house, I saw something about how they had ended a deal with, did they end the deal with set the Saudis through WWE or was this a previous company they had purchased somewhere along the way? I saw where Endeavor is very much about like how things look and cut some sort of, like got rid of a deal with the Saudis, at least in some aspect of their business. Um, yeah. And if that's the case and they are wanting to clear fucking house, Triple H's story ending with this is, I don't know if it's funny. I mean, I wouldn't say funny, but like we always had so much hope for what Paul was going to do with things. And he may, he, he literally may never see it. Well, I think, you know, at that point, Paul kind of becomes like the people who were like, who worked in the Trump white house in that. He's like, look, I tried to keep the crazy man from being less crazy. And so that's okay. Then at some point you're like, yeah, but you did spend a lot of time with the crazy man. You helped the crazy man. Like you don't get, and, and, it's like, go back to this, like, he said he hasn't read the lawsuit, but it's fascinating that the reporting is that Brock Lesnar was planned for the Royal Rumble up until late last week, at which point he was removed. And they literally, t- basically, apparently everything Braun Breaker did in the Rumble was essentially what Brock was supposed to do. They literally, according to the Observer, they basically just slotted him in and they were just like, you get to do this now, uh, including Dominic being eliminated. Yeah, apparently Brock was going to wrestle Dominic at the Elimination Chamber. Which, by the way, and let's go- just and let's be clear. Let's because we talked about Vince McMahon. Also, fuck Brock Lesnar. Um, <laughs> I, I think we would have said this many times in many places, but fuck that guy too. Um, but the idea that he hadn't read the lawsuit when you know there was clearly again they were literally eliminating people from plans because of it is a pretty shitty lie. You know. Well, and from what other people are saying, because I mean, didn't I read something from like Lance Storm and like other people who worked at WWE are coming out and saying it basically sounded like if you worked in a building with Vince McMahon, you probably saw a picture or a video that you didn't ask to see of this person or other people. Um, so when so basically Paul sits down, gives his we're doing really great right now. Uh, we've got the Netflix deal. We just had a phenomenal show out there. And then it's like, okay, first question. Um, what about all the rape? And he's like, well, I don't want to be that guy, but you know, I want to talk about the positives. It's been a really, really good week for us. It's like fucking has it, <laughs> has it? Are you meaning like, yeah, you made some money and just, you ran a show at a juice themed stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like next, Cody. Next. 
Cody, who'd won the Rumble, was like, this is a dark spot in our industry. (laughs) Yeah, it is. That's correct, Cody. And that's why I picture every person asking the question is uh, Norm MacDonald, where it's like, okay, next question. It's like, (laughs) did you know about all the rape? (laughs) And he's just like, ah, no, I, you know, we're at Tropicana Stadium. It's, it's a big stadium. It's really big. Uh, 48,000 or something. I don't know. People are in there. People liked it. Next We're question. very popular right now. <laughs> he basically just got four questions about sexual assault. Didn't answer anything except for what are you going to do? And he goes, everything possible. <laughs> and leaves. What are you going to do? I'm going to get fucking fired. I'm going to get fired next week. And uh, I mean, yes, yeah, some suit will be in charge, but Best case scenario, who in, who ends up in charge that we trust that's a good person that you would want to book? That's actually an interesting question, just because it's such a weird job at this point. Like, because it's it's clearly involves a certain level of being corporate, right? It's not really just a booking job. It's a kind of a multifaceted thing. Um my you're brain in charge of Marvel instinct. at that point. You don't really have control. Like, you're not directing a Marvel right. movie. Like, you're there. But you don't really have a say of anything. Yeah. The first name that comes to mind, and I'll immediately contradict myself here, but it's the first name that comes to mind is Paul Heyman. Um, just, I love ECW, and he's there, and he clearly understands the politics of the place at this point and has the ear of the top guys. Um I don't I don't know if that actually works, if he actually would ever want that or if that really makes sense in terms of things. But he's the he's the first name that sort of pops into my head. Um, he was also there with events. He was also there with like, events. He was... I actually think one interesting option, given the closeness with impact that's developed, not developing. I mean, again, they've used their their women's champion a couple of years in a row. Rumble. I don't want to say anything. Um Although, again, Impact is doing, TNA is discuss, some discussions with Endeavor about their streaming service or whatever. Um, Scott Demore is someone who hasn't clearly, clearly hasn't run a company on that size, but people like what he's done with TNA. He's got some experience in that. He hasn't been in WWE in a good sense because he hasn't worked with, Vin- if you're trying to like clean house, but you're looking for someone that has a resume that at all has a job that looks like Paul Levesque's currently, you could do worse than Scott Demore. You know? I don't know if he's an exciting answer, but he's... Hear me out. Okay. Brett Lauderdale. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get through it. (laughs) (laughs) Brett Brett Um... couldn't keep an indie locker room from not doing apparently bo- just boatloads of drugs. Um, so let's, yeah, I think we're, I think Brett being the one to come in and clean things up seems um, unlikely. Maybe, well, one option would be you promote Sean and then you say, you know, yeah, we, we send Brett to take over NXT. <laughs> I mean, NXT he... champion, Jordan Oliver. <laughs> We're not that far off from that happening. Not that far. Why hasn't anyone snatched him up yet? 
other than they've listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're the only thing stopping him from getting paid more. Sir, you have many detractors. Who? Well, there's these three guys, and <laughs> they've been making a lot of jokes, but they have a good, interesting point. Um, also, after listening to their show, I just can't help but imagine you and Richard Dreyfus. It's a very strange thing. Um <laughs> confusing uh well i mean if we have to pull somebody to run it out of the cast of our characters let's look through our let's look through our rolodex here and insert sound of me uh going through a rolodex brian knobs now knobs he's got connections right i mean you're trying to bring back the legends trying to bring back like keep the connection to the glory years knobs can call the hulkster he can call Jimmy Hart. He can even call Brutus Beefcake. You know, Greg Valentine is his um, his brother-in-law. And you know what? Beefcake and Valentine were the dream team. That's a name that was given. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I You know what? I mean, I feel like what's going to happen is going to be like, what's happening over at Warner brothers where a guy who is never in the entertainment industry who got is just a businessman got thrown in and fucked things up in an unimaginable way, but still continues to make the money from his shitty business or his upsetting business. I would, I guess I would say, I mean, they are so large at this point that that is the thing people keep talking about is like they're it's kind of idiot proof for at least a period of time they've locked in these contracts and it's so much money that you could book the worst product in the world and it would still be a very strong money maker which is kind of a weird and scary thing although again as we were talking about before we got in the air i mean they're probably more popular now than they've been i mean maybe since the attitude era like in terms of like ticket sales and just over i mean they're wildly popular um, that's so crazy that's so crazy i mean the fact that we're where we are now from six years ago when we started and i mean shit was pretty bleak mm-hmm. at times six years ago like there yeah. was i went to some very shitty pay-per-views for mm-hmm. this show and uh even a little before this show started and i, I just <laughs> it's crazy that like i don't know that it's changed that much like other than we like roman reigns or like you know i mean i think we're fine with him i think people really really like him mm-hmm. cody people really like cody um he sold a lot of merch he won the royal rumble for the second time the first guy to do that two years in a row since austin this is this is the crazy this is a crazy list right Here's the other people who've won the Rumble twice in a row, other than Cody. Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan. That's your list. That's a pretty good list for Cody. I, I mean, honest to God, those first three, like, any three of them could arguably be on a Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Maybe Cody's going to be on a Mount Rushmore. Well, that's what he's he said. that the, the American dream? Is he's like, well, people quit saying... <laughs> Will people quit being surprised by me now? I did a thing that the last person who did it was stone cold. I'm popular. I'm good. People like me. Believe me. Stop making memes. 
I will say, watching the end there, I did feel a twinge of excitement that Cody tossed Punk. It did feel, as an AEW guy, as someone who used to be more of a Punk fan and is definitely still a Cody guy, despite his willingness to work for Vince, I guess. I mean, again, maybe I'm naive about Cody. Maybe I'm talked about all that shit. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive about him too, but um, I was, I was rooting for Cody and I still, I still root for the guy. I think again, just what he did again, and look at the history of this podcast, right? I mean, essentially it is the history of people who love wrestling or have been inspired by Cody and the young bucks and Kenny Omega you know, so uh, it still feels nice, especially to watch him throw Punk over the top rope. It almost makes you forget that he was there to begin with. Like Cody went from being a guy I I cared very little about mm-hmm. to a guy who became one of us so quickly. Like he was he was fighting for the thing we wanted, you know, just good wrestling. Mm-hmm. And we, he got it for us and. We haven't even talked yet. You mentioned him throwing punk over. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish facts were here so we could hear, hear him stay laugh. Where you're going? <laughs> I just, I thought, you know, I hadn't thought about it since yesterday. <laughs> and then talking about it, then you mentioned it. <laughs> He tore his other peck. <laughs> he did it again. It's the same thing. It's just a different peck. Uh, and the, the thing is, like, so do we know at what point in the... <laughs> he said it's he was unclear. in that match for 20 minutes. We So he hasn't said when he knew that it happened or anything. I don't, I don't think so. Cause so the last like bit once it gets down to Cody and Punk, I think we all assume it's gonna be Punk. Do you think there was a point when he like had he knows what that feels like? He just did it. He's back from being hurt. <laughs> he did it. He did it. <laughs> he did it in a match after John Moxley, like in a promo, said. Fragile ego, fragile body, weak mind, weak spirit. <laughs> he said that. And then four days later, he tore his peck and melted down so much that he got fired from a company that he was basically able to book on his own. He's a man with a fragile ego and a fragile body and a weak mind and a weak spirit. And then he came back showed his fragile ego again goes to the other place fragile body fragile body this is it this is the second time he's wrestled there and it was a royal rumble it wasn't like he was taking crazy shit in there like <laughs> do you know how many last... more mat- matches mox has wrestled than punk since he <laughs> cut that promo <laughs> It's like 117. Mox just like wrestles Gringo Loco on a Thursday night in Indy and he's fine. <laughs> it's like it doesn't matter. Punk just he can't. He is younger than Punk. Uh, we have to give him that. 
Do you know who's but, well? You know who's not. You know who's not younger than Punk. Who Sting. we know, Sting. Sting. That's exactly where I was going, Garrett. Do you know what's <laughs> happened to Sting in the last year? He got concussed and got squished through a table, and then he jumped off a ladder and he put his face <laughs> into a thing. Do you know who's wrestled more matches than CM Punk in the last year? Sting. <laughs> I mean, legitimately. At this point, CM Punk would get injured being the referee for the two Invisible Man matches <laughs> in GCW. <laughs> like, they would have to call it a ref bump that we didn't see, and they'd have to bring in a new referee. Uh, it's, it's fucking crazy. Because I think we were all wondering it. We didn't really even say it. We're just like, oh, you know, he gets hurt a lot. It'll be easier for him in WWE. He wrestles Dominic Mysterio in a match none of us got to see in Madison Square Garden. He comes in here 20 minutes in the Rumble. And, I mean, part of me wonders if he's just, like, whispers to somebody, I'm hurt. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out six months. I felt this. It's on <laughs> this side. Uh, and if they had to, like, I don't think they switched it on the fly. I think that was what was supposed to happen. Yeah, that's what people are saying. I also just want to be clear, in the last year, uh, in 2023, Sting and CM Punk wrestled the exact same numbers of number of matches, um, 12 each. And then uh, Sting, in 2024, has wrestled two matches, and Punk has wrestled one. <laughs> I really, the fact that the math works that well is fucking spectacular and what stings in his 60s and he's in his 60s his yes he's at least 20 years older at least 20 years older Jesus yes so and sting wrestled do you know how many years sting spent in tna that is a man that does not have a fra- you can't have a fragile mind and do that you just have to like what you're doing yeah wait <laughs> exactly. how long Wait, so, okay, how long was it when Sting came back at WrestleMania 31? How long had he not been wrestling? Or was he still wrestling in Impact or TNA at that time? Uh, Yeah, I don't think it has been very long since he'd wrestled at that point. He wrestled, yeah, when he came back 2015 at WrestleMania, the last match he'd had in TNA was, it had been like a year. January of 2014 was his last match before that. So it'd been like a year. Okay. That I think that's crazy because at the time when I went to mania 31 and the the stuff with sting, I mean, at that point, all I was watching was basically PWG and WWE. I didn't know shit about any, any Indies. I didn't know about like, I had never seen ring of honor. I had never Mm -hmm. seen anything. So in my mind, Sting at that point hadn't wrestled in twenty or you know ten, fifteen years, whatever. Uh, that's crazy that he's like really never quit. No, I mean there's a couple of years off basically between, like he wrestled some like random matches in O two and O two O three O four. He's not wrestling a crazy amount, but yeah, um, really, I mean from O six to twenty fourteen, he's wrestling pretty consistently 
Um, that in, almost in, makes me feel like I need to go to to Revolution and say my farewells to Sting. I mean, I, I don't know how long. I mean, Greensboro, it's a, it's a drivable, right? I think there's still some tickets available. I don't know how dry. I think I looked it up. I think it's pretty far. Oh, okay. I think it's like a, it would be like a, I could drive, but I think it would be like a whole day. <laughs> like, a, oh, like most of a day. Um, I don't know. I think this would be the first revolution I missed. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you've been at many revolutions. I'm thinking about revolution is kind of your pay-per-view. I've been, I was at the first one in Chicago with in 20. Omega and Hangman. Versus mm-hmm. the Bucks. Uh, the second one would have 21. been the Exploding Barbed Wire death match. Mm-hmm. Then last year's was Punk and uh, MJF and the Dog Collar match. 22. And then 23. I guess you were in at 23, right? That was uh, San Francisco, the Iron Man. Oh, shit. I did miss that. But one. three out of four is pretty good. If you go to four out of five, I mean, that's, that's well, consistent. There was a bit where I had every... I don't know. There was... It was hard. I'm a completist. Like, if I'm buying a band's records, I want to see all their records on my shelf. If I have a movie, I need to see all the, I need to see the sequels on the shelf. Uh, when I start, when AEW started and we were kind of bouncing around for these pay per views, there was like a completist part of me that was hurting because I knew at a certain point I'd have to miss one and it would just be done. And uh, I, I think. I think I missed a full gear. I actually don't know that I've ever been to a full gear. I've only been, I think only to the the one that was in Newark. But I can say I've been to a full gear. But yeah, we were there for the double or nothing. That was a we were fun there for weekend. Double or Vegas. You know, we were talking about going back to Vegas potentially for, uh, for Dead and Company. But yeah, that's the last time. That's the last time I was in Vegas. I think me too, actually. I yeah. when I lived in LA, I would Vegas was a really easy drive to go just see a concert or, you know, and get a cheap room for the night and just hang out in Vegas. So yeah, I'm a, I'm excited. I mean Chris and I are going back at some point and we're gonna go in that big uh that big marble and watch the the pretty lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um yeah, man, man, that week that was a crazy weekend. We we podcasted twice. Very exciting. Did we, um, twi- we did two? Yeah, we did the um we did the the six the PWG six man episode of our other show, and then we did a a, a like post game of double or nothing. Cause we were all just That's so right. fucking high off how good that show was. That weekend also, like if I have to make a checklist of the funniest shit that happened that weekend, mm-hmm. uh Double or Nothing was great. I'm trying to think if I saw the only other wrestling show. I caught a taxi with your friend Aubrey mm-hmm. to Suburban Fight Club. F- so it was Suburban Fight Club main event, Nick Gage versus Darby Allen. Damn. And a it was just a no ring, like people fighting through the, the building match. And that shit was crazy. Who else was on that? There was a triple threat between Priscilla Kelly, Orange Cassidy, and Marco Stunt. I don't remember the other match Damn. on it, but yeah. that was a that was a good night. And then I went to Joey Janela's spring breakfast. Oh, that's right. Yes. Where we got to watch Joey Janela prank call Enzo Amore. <laughs> Cause somebody in the room had his phone number. And then 
I think I still have Jack Evans' phone number from that weekend. He never responded about my answer about podcasting. I'll also maybe I'll send a message now. Get him on the pod right now. Remember, uh, like five years ago, when uh, you thought I worked for AEW, and so that referee guy that you were friends with gave both of us a ride from the airport. You know, because literally Jack Evans, I was wearing an AEW T-shirt and like waiting for a cab or like looking to figure out what I was going to do for a cab, and Jack Evans was like, "How are we supposed to get? You know, how we do and how we get into the thing?" And I'm like. I don't know, man. <laughs> he's like, yeah. what do you, what do you do? And I'm like, digital content, which is true. I mean, I was doing digital <laughs> content that weekend. Starcat. I mean, it's not a lie. Uh, that's uh, when we, we talked about Michinoku pro matches. You saw Kent. It's still Kent, our, our, our faithful producer. Been a bit since. I miss Kent. I miss him too. It's been a long time. He, think... he doesn't live that far from me, but I still miss him. You know, I, I live near people I don't talk to that often anymore. And uh, can we get Kent back on the podcast? <laughs> I would love to just be like, what the fuck did you think of us dorks? Like, what was going on? Like, you had to watch some of the dumbest shit and, like, watch us be excited about it. And then you disappeared into the night. <laughs> yeah. No, Kent, uh, great producer. Great producer. No, I really liked Kent. Um, back yeah. to <laughs> back to back now, to... instead of remembering this thing about five years ago, uh, well, it's, a, it's our birthday. It's a bir- exactly, yeah, exactly. People that was th- year think one. back that yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was like year like deep into into the second year. It was into the second year. Okay, yeah. no, it's just a strange. It's 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 like kind of a strange feeling to be a wrestling fan amongst all this, where it's very popular, but also all this stuff is coming out and. I don't know. AEW feels good, but weird. I don't know. It's, it's just all feels, all feels like a very strange time to be a wrestling fan. Well, it's like a, another Me Too movement, except it's not everybody. It's like a fucking Weinstein situation, mm. you know, where it's just, it's, it's horrific. It's like, it's something that's so bad that when, what's fucking crazy is we knew about this. This is something we were talking about, like dorks, like wrestle people were talking about this. But this should be national fucking news. And like, I'm talking to my wife about this. And she's like, I wonder if like people know about this. Is this a thing like regular people are hearing about? Because this is really, really bad. So she started texting her friends and only the friends that have a husband that watches wrestling were aware of it at all. Interesting. I think that's been my experience too. Kind of talking, yeah, talking to people, especially people that aren't like you know maybe very big wrestling fans. Maybe you're mentioning them like, oh, kind of weird, you know, whatever. And they're like, what happened? And you're like, Wall Street Journal sex trafficking. You didn't. This wasn't hasn't broken through the news. This hasn't apparently hasn't, which is kind of strange. The wrestling will be wrestling thing, I guess, but it's kind of weird given the size of the company and how popular it is and how horrific the allegations are. Especially when it's tied to Netflix and UFC and USA and Fox, you know, with all of these huge fucking companies have this huge black cloud that is somehow just like, don't worry, only the dorks know right now. Yeah. Also, we're going to get rid of the bad guy and none of the other all of the named people, you won't see them anymore. Unnamed executives, they might be there. We don't know. They're unnamed. They're unnamed. So who knows? 
Uh, Pretty soon in in Kinguin Pro over in wherever the (laughs) fuck, it's going to be Marty Skrull and his little guy is going to be Pedro McMahon or something. He's going to like have a little mustache and... Uh, the, the other thing we haven't talked about, the Netflix thing, is just interesting from a um, the perspective of like what that's going to bring into the future of wrestling. I, I actually think credit to, I guess, probably Nick Khan, who seems like the, the driver behind these things. Um, it's kind of genius. I feel like one of the lies that has been sort of driving WWE for a long time is that it's like live sports. And it's not, no one actually thinks that it is, right? Anyone who actually knows what wrestling is. The the value of watching wrestling live versus sports live are not the same thing. Um, But I think Netflix, you know, from a Netflix perspective, it's like you're going to get some people, a lot more people watching live than most Netflix things. At the same time, it's kind of a perfect thing of people who are kind of into wrestling and might throw it on that week. They're going to watch Maybe they'll even finish Raw, but they toss on Raw at some point every week. Um, and and it feels very natural. You stick that up on the home screen within Netflix, and you're going to get more people to click on it. Um, they don't even need to think about DVRing it. It's just reminding you that it's there. Um, it's something I always think when I talk about, you know, sometimes you talk to the older guys. I remember talking to Shane Douglas about this. He's like, well, where'd all these people go who used to watch wrestling in the 90s, X millions of people every week? Um, versus the number of people now. And the answer is that they just don't tune in at that specific time that week. It's so much easier to just sort of catch up on YouTube or whatever. And you got to think something like Netflix, it's perfect for people who are kind of into wrestling and might toss it off, you know, like just they're going to click and it's going to be easy. And I think they're going to, I think it's a very smart deal for Netflix and probably pretty smart for WWE, sad to say. All I could think there was, you're like, I was talking to Shane Douglas, and I was like, was it in a Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot in West Virginia? <laughs> We're in a Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot, and when we finished spending three hours discussing how Beast Man <laughs> is the future of wrestling. We shared a piece of cheesecake and had a <laughs> talk about wrestling in a streaming world. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I think one thing... Triple H did say in that press conference talking about the Netflix deal was how WWE was kind of at the forefront of every change in television. And that is Mm -hmm. very true. Like when he kind of talked about like they were the first people to do close or like the closed circuit or whatever you want to say, like where you fill a fucking arena with people watching a TV, Um, the pay-per-view like they were mm-hmm. really like bringing pay-per-view to people yeah then they were outside of netflix that was the first streaming service i was paying for yeah maybe maybe hulu i don't remember though maybe yeah but they were very proud and i mean even cable tv i mean they're not the first on cable but they're pretty far out there i mean you go back they had uh, msg shows on home box office to whatever extent that was available in like the seventies it's yeah, they've always kind of been out there. And again, I, I think it's, I think this is the right move. I think it's a, a kind of a smart move um, in terms of the actual figures, right? There's the weird thing where they can cut it out after five years, but extend it to 10. So it's hard to know exactly whether this is a exactly good math or not, but still at a very basic level, I, this is feels like a smart play. 
Uh, it does like at least for me like is i mean you and i both watch sports outside of wrestling mm-hmm. um it makes me curious though like is he right are other sports gonna follow this like is nhl gonna sign a deal with netflix where i do cause nhl can be hard to find sometimes because you mm-hmm. sometimes it's on tnt sometimes you can't even like if you get the nhl network and don't have cable, you can't watch your local games. Uh, they black you out of right. your local games where you can only watch away games and other teams. If it was all just like, watch whatever, you know, on this, I don't know. Like it is kind of interesting. It, it, I'm kind of excited to see who follows along and how it could potentially make other things easier to watch. Yeah, I do wonder, again, sports is, like, really one of the last vestiges of you got to turn it on when it happens, pretty much. Um, And so I do, I feel like it's going to be one of the last things to go. But again, yeah, maybe this is a harbinger of that. And eventually, it's just going to become too much. And again, some of these sports, the NBA or the NHL are going to peel off. or, Or baseball, right? Baseball had that weird thing happen last year where... Um, a lot of the regional sports networks that were carrying the games kind of collapsed. And there's so much baseball, right? Like you can imagine just being like, yeah, Netflix is like, we'll take all the baseball games. And now, you know, everyone's got to like flip on Netflix every night and maybe watch, you know, the Mets. I guess I don't even know how this would work, but like with hockey, um, I know like the, the St. Louis blues, my team, Mm-hmm. Uh, for local, they sold. They are no longer on Fox Sports. You can only watch them on Bally Sports, which Bally Sports is only available on cable and like Dish. So you can't get it through like Sling or through YouTube TV or any of this shit. Right. So like, can a team branch off and just be like, our shit's on Netflix? Uh maybe i mean in those sports right where you do control the teams control the non-national games i might be able to i don't know actually That'd i don't know if they want that though. i don't know like it, you seem like you'd want a whole package but that just thinking out loud like something that... i mean if you were in the right city if you think about it like could you like launch with like we're taking the dodgers or something you know like a big like a coastal team like one that's gonna bring yeah. in a shit ton of people have a ton of fans or even like you know there is the weird historical thing right where like tbs because it was an atlanta station just like showed braves games like you'd be watching wrestling and it'd be like oh the braves are on now and you're like oh okay so like we all, I probably watched like chunks of Braves games just because it was after WCW Saturday night at some point in the early nineties. I you certainly know. caught one after a TV edit of Animal House in nineteen ninety seven. Guess, but yes, maybe someone will take some. T- maybe maybe you'll be watching. Maybe all the Bally Sports will collapse and you'll be watching the St. Louis Blues on Netflix next year. Right now, all I watch on their Seinfeld reruns. Uh, because somebody told me that I should sell my Seinfeld DVDs and now I have to keep fucking Netflix to, to watch them. So. Yeah. I don't know. Apparently they've got love is blind Sweden now. So. Well, shit. And the Swedish chef from the Muppets is the, the man in this one. Yeah. Well, the, you got it. Well, there's many men, but yeah, they, they're oh, trying they're to figure the out. Wall, they're right. all behind the wall. Right. So yeah, I mean, someone's definitely going to fall in love with the Swedish chef for sure. 
And I think that's going to be awkward. And I'm excited to see what happens in the uh, when they fall in love and go on the honeymoon. This far into this show, like you and I outside, I mean, we are friends. Uh, I would say pretty good friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we do like a lot of our conversation is music and uh, wrestling. Mm-hmm. What other trash TV do you take in outside of this? I just want the people to get to know know Chris a little better. Like, what does Chris enjoy outside of outside of wrestling and uh, and music? Sure, I feel like recently over the last year, it's been a lot of dummies falling in love, mm-hmm. um, or trying to stay in love. Maybe you know, you got you got Love Is Blind, you've got the Ultimatum, um, you've got Are You the One, which I like because. Uh, it's like dummies falling in love, but it's also a strategy game. Um, and there's nothing I love more than watching uh, dumb people play a strategy game on television. That's that's my favorite kind of reality TV. If you can get dumb people playing a strategy game, that is perfect. There was some weird... I can't even think of the name of it. There was some Netflix one where they took the people from the various shows. And there was some strategy of you had to be in the house each night and you had to pair up and there were extra people. It was like musical chairs with people. Um, and that was real entertaining. It was not good, but I just watched the shit out of that. Um, Married at first sight. Have you seen that? That's fucking stupid. I am. Uh, I am aware of that one. I had a, there was a job I worked at where the secretary would catch me up on a show. I was never going to watch. Yeah, some of those people, I mean, is is bad. The season, the season my wife and I are currently watching, very bad. Uh, pretty much none of these people should be together. They should they should run far away. Um, very strange fan. One of them is the opposite of Vince McMahon. Very uncomfortable talking about anything with his body. Just the opposite. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. I feel like again, if I, I feel like it's like we're either watching pretty good television or just d- dumb people dating. It's like it's like literally we go between. It's like we're watching the final season of Barry, and then Love Is Blind. We're watching the last <laughs> season of Party Down, and then it's the ultimate. It's just we're just a palate cleanse. How about you, Garrett? What have you What have you been knocking out on the the old uh, crappy TV recently? <laughs> it actually sounds like you and I uh, live similar lives with our with our wives. Um, right now, we're going back and forth on a rewatch of Succession. Mm-hmm. And and the current season of Ninety Day Fiance. Oh, I watched a li- my wife watches Ninety Day Fiance, so I'll just wander in on that sometime and just gawk at them and go, "That seems like a terrible idea." And she's like, "Yes, it is." And uh, just go from there. This is the start of uh, you, um, your wife, and I hosting a Ninety Day Fiance podcast. Which I bet there's an equal amount of those as there are to wrestling podcasts. You got to think, I mean, literally the whole thing is like after the show finishes, there's immediately a thing where people talk about it. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, literally on television. So you got to think there's just a ton of podcasts. I wonder what the, I wonder what the top 90 Day Fiance podcast is. You know, what is, <laughs> what are, we're taking them down. We're coming for you. You know, you and I normally operate in spaces where there's not, um, a lot of things you know we're doing you're doing erotic thrillers i'm doing counting crows um apparently number one looks like 90 day fiance cray cray there's a whole reddit thread about podcasts about 90 day fiance 420 day fiance uh, uh 90 day bay 90 day, yeah 
Pink Shade. Like people have listened to like yeah, they're like my favorites of the many. Um, Ninety Day Bay. Did I say that? These all sound the same. You did. You said it okay. twice. Yeah. That's, okay. Uh, she. We're giving her giving her double the promotion to our listeners who are just like I don't give, give I couldn't give less of a fuck about what you guys are talking about. I feel like at this point you guys do have to care a little bit about us. Um. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's that emotional range that we have that I think keeps bringing people back. This story, I feel like we're further enough in the podcast that anyone's like tapped out that when we that didn't want to hear this. But uh, I had a weird concert experience last night. Mm. You're you're an avid concert goer as mm-hmm. well, so uh, this was one of the weirder ones for sure. Last night, the band Wednesday was playing at Eastside Bowl in Nashville. The opening act was Hotline TNT. Their album Cartwheel was one of my favorite records last year. Okay. On repeat for basically since it came out. It's pretty weird and, Wednesday playing on a Tuesday. Right? Uh, but they, so I show up early. I'm playing Miss Pac-Man because it's at, an, it's at a, uh, a bowling alley diner arcade venue. This and, sounds great. And maybe the only place in Nashville that you, I'm basically giving Eastside Bowl a promotion right now. But they found something to do with an old fucking Kmart. Ooh, good for them. Which is like, make it into like a really cool bar, a bowling alley, a diner, and a concert venue. I do like that Nashville has two bowling alley concert venues now. Because Brooklyn Bowl is still open too, right? So it's still, there's two bowling yeah. alley concert venues in Nashville. We've got two. And honestly, I think East, damn, no, that's actually, I think Brooklyn Bowl has the best sound mm-hmm. of any venue in town. And yeah. there's no a big problem in Nashville is most of the venues have pillars somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there is some sort of obstruction to the stage. Brooklyn Bowl does not, East Side Bowl does not. Um Brooklyn Bowl is probably a little bigger. But East Side Bowl, show up, going to see Hotline TNT. Uh <laughs> I play some Miss Pac-Man before the okay. show. Uh you don't have to pay for parking, and the parking lot's fucking huge because it's an old Kmart. Right. Love that. So I'm playing Miss Pac-Man. I set the high score. And then the lead singer uh, of the band Soccer Mommy saw me do it, which is a band I really enjoy. So that was exciting. She didn't comment on it. I wish she had. But then I go. She gave you a make, nod, you know. She's like, yeah, you're fucking cool. And I know it. I also feel like that that's a band. That's like a, I feel like Soccer Mommy is one of those bands that um, does the old school, like kind of indie, like too cool for school thing a little bit. So I don't think she would give you like too much of it. Like a subtle nod is like basically a an incredible, like a giant high five. That's true. Like even if she had scoffed at me, that would have been like, I know that's fuck. You think this is cool? Because I'm playing Miss Pac Man, not regular. I'm not not Man mm-hmm. Pac Man. I'm yes. on the Lady one. I'm better at the Lady one. I'm very fucking good at Miss Pac Man, folks. Interesting. Like, v- very good. What is? Uh, I thought they were the same game. Basically, I guess you're going to tell me otherwise. Different maps. And okay. my hometown, the video store had a Miss Pac-Man machine. So I gotcha. played it a lot. I had a buddy. We had a, a monkey cup. It was a cup of a monkey full of quarters. We'd go after school, play Miss Pac-Man all day. I'm very fucking good at Miss Pac-Man. Hadn't seen a machine in a while. Turns out I'm still really good at the high school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so go see the show. The venue, the one thing that sucks about it, very tight. People pack it like they just oversell it. There's no 
room to move. You can't get to the bar. You can't do anything. You are shoulder to shoulder, like just squished. Uh, I couldn't tell that from the front of the room, but after it's over, I go to the back uh, hotline TNTs on third man records. Mm-hmm. And I see Jack white and his wife off to the side. And I think, Oh, cool. He is a very famous man uh, in Nashville. Like it's a thing that like artists just don't get bothered mm-hmm. when they're out and about. So I'm not going to be like the guy that bothers this man, but I do see him and am aware that he's in the area. I text a friend. I'm standing next to Jack white crazy. Two seconds later, <laughs> a space finally opens up big enough for him to try and pass through to get out the exit. And immediately somebody shoves me from behind and him from behind and collide our bellies. We are now, <laughs> we are now face to face. Our, our faces are like two to three inches apart and we're looking directly into each other's eyes. <laughs> And as we're just staring into each other's eyes where he is like, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, oh, you're super famous. And he can tell that I, I'm at this show. I know who Jack White is. He it's, knows it's, I know also, he it's is. Jack White. He's a pretty, op- like, he's a fairly descript person. Yeah, he's a fucking, like, he's Edward Scissorhands without the Scissorhands. You know, like, he, he's the, he's the most distinct person in a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he looks me in the eyes, looks up to my hat which is a hat that just says make movies shorter looks me back in the eyes and then just disappears that (laughs) that hat i don't know if you know this jack white is in killers of the flower moon oh he is an actor in that film to me that hat when i purchased it is a direct shot at that movie and just how long movies are right now uh that felt weird it felt like we would have had nothing to talk about. I mean, you guys could have talked about bands, but you did accidentally insult him with your hat. A little bit. But last night we rubbed bellies. Like, I've <laughs> never... My my bell, Our bellies touched. Our faces were too close. I've never met anybody that close. Like, he's probably the best guitarist I've ever rubbed bellies with. I mean, that seems pretty reasonable. I mean... I haven't rubbed bellies with very many guitarists, so. <laughs> You're like, what about, now my goal is to rub bellies with a better guitarist. And I don't know who that would be. Maybe Charo? John Mayer. Yeah, maybe he's got to rub some bellies with John Mayer in Vegas. Do you think Mayer's better at guitar than Jack White? Yes. Slash doesn't wear shirts a lot, so you could definitely rub bellies with him. Pretty If you, if you connected with Slash, you would probably be rubbing belly skin to skin. <laughs> Do we have any more wrestling to talk about? I'm so sorry that we spent the last 15 minutes talking about reality TV and, and Jack White's belly. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, as I said, it's kind of a weird. I mean, I watched a, I watched a lot of AEW over the last week. Uh, not a lot of it super stuck out. The cage match was. I mean, it was a pretty good episode of Collision. The cage match, the three way cage match, was apparently was ex. Well, not apparently was it was excellent. We a weird brave move to like. Even if you're the most diehard AEW fan, Saturday night's already like, I'm probably not tuning in. And it's up against the Royal Rumble, which like even as I don't watch any AEW. I mean, I didn't even tell you about the Logan Paul match on this show. You know how much I love that guy. But yeah, I don't know. Just weird and brave. 
to just continue on like it's business as usual. Just just keeping going. Um, there are no. I don't see reports on the ratings yet. I was actually kind of curious to see what. <laughs> How many people did watch that? But yeah, they put on a good show. Daniel Bryan wrestled uh, Yuji Nagata. That's good. That seems so bizarre. That is absolutely a Saturday night match. <laughs> That's not a big enough match for a Wednesday, even. He's not. He's wrestling a, uh, one of the CMLL guys on Saturday. He's wrestling uh, Hechicero. I saw it's just, that. Yeah, just Daniel Bryan. And this is It's interesting. Collision seems to have this rhythm where it's like, Daniel Bryan wrestles someone you haven't thought about. Eddie Kingston wrestles some indie guy who like he wrestled Willie Mack last weekend. Um, that's cool. That's like that's absolutely like if it were on a card, I'd want to see it. Yeah, it was a very enjoyable episode of television. Very enjoyable episode. Um, but yeah, I don't have a lot again, like a, a crazy amount to say about it. Um, it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I watched the. I, I did watch. I, I decided to watch. Start watching a little more ECW again because I feel like, uh, you know, that's uh, we got going to Philly maybe coming up. Um, it's always nice to get back in ECW. I also, by the way, I did. I finally finished. We had talked a long time ago. Maybe we'll end with this. A long time ago, we talked about the show on YouTube, Walking the King's Road. Yeah. And I finally finished it. Oh, you you went through and did the the whole deal. I did. I didn't watch every match on it, um, but um, yeah, watched I watched. Show, like, I, wa- I watched the big, but I watched the big matches. If there was a match that he was going to talk about for most of the show, I watched those, and it was really good. I don't know. I mean, I I like all Japan. It's pretty fun. I didn't watch a crazy amount of it in the nineties. Um, it was a pretty fun thing to go back and have these matches to sort of watch and enjoy. And actually, there's a few more that I didn't watch. I got to try to go find. Uh, at some point, but it was nice. I think if you haven't done the all Japan nineties run, it's kind of, it's worth doing. And it is worth sort of doing in some sort of order. So you kind of appreciate it uh, a little bit. Um, it was good. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. We recommend it. I wish he'd done more. He kind of stops in the middle of 95. There's a bunch more years of, of all Japan, but um, highly, uh, highly recommended if you haven't, if you haven't checked it out. It's one of those that anytime somebody recommends me a match and I put it on, it's absolutely worth watching. Like if it's a big match there and somebody tells you it's good, it's always very quality. Yeah, it's although it was interesting. One of the matches, so the big match that people talk about a lot is six three ninety four Masawa against Kawada. Um, people have said it's a more than five star match. It's very well beloved. I watched it and thought that was really great. Maybe I'm not seeing the like the five stars plus thing. And then watched the Walking the King's Road episode, and the guy was like, "All right, here's all the matches I think are better than this one." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. I, very validating." Okay, I'm not the only one who uh, who's got hot is takes that, about this. Is that the one where he dumps him on his head like off the the ramp? Uh, I don't know if it's that one. There's some vicious head drops. There's some very vicious head drops. I don't know if there's the one off the ramp though. Okay, maybe that's a later one. Or like, yeah, they did they did rematches, right? Like, there's other. Yeah, and the head drops get worse as the '90s go on. That's like where they just get grosser and grosser. Um, there's one that I'm trying to remember if it's on the like the walkway into the ring or off of it onto the floor, and it's just those guys like. 
what kind of lives did they li- live after? Are they st- are they still with us? I mean, Masawa was dead. Masawa died taking a bump, so that's not great. I didn't know. Oh, oh yeah, he he he, he died in, in the, the ring. ring. Yeah, yeah. How, um, how long? Like what time frame? Like I want to say about fourteen, fifteen years ago, something like that. It was like the late au- late aughts. Okay. Um, Fuck. Yeah. How, uh, crazy that I never. Co- I don't know what ta- Tao. Interestingly, Taue and Kawada both run restaurants now. Kawada's got a ramen shop in Tokyo, and Taue's got a. I think it's like a steak place outside, but it's outside the city. I was reading about this. I'm like, it seems hard to get to, but you know, maybe maybe <laughs> That's worth gonna it. Be, I make that trip all the way to Tokyo. It's going to be like when I was a little kid and went to Ozzy Smith's restaurant in St. Louis, and was mm-hmm. like, "Is he here?" And they're like, "No, <laughs> fuck off." That is part of it. I've got my Tokyo list for whenever I do get back, and it's there's a lot of stuff that's like. Okay, we got to go to Kawada's restaurant and Matsunaga's steakhouse and Yano's bar and Suzuki's shirt place and like just, <laughs> I just all these wrestling will things. Happily save you a lot of time looking for Suzuki's shirt place. See, this is this I put in I up. put in the work to find that last time, and it was a bitch. Um, no, I th- honestly, I think that there is a big family vacation in all of our futures where yeah. the all the wives the kids everybody's going to tokyo the boys get a day where the the wives will not probably attend wrestle kingdom mm-hmm. um maybe the kids probably not <laughs> some of the kids maybe we'll see um well, but there's there's got to be at least a couple of days or part of the you know parts of days where we just accept that we're going to eat the food the wrestlers make <laughs> That was that was the only thing I didn't get to do in Japan. My wife is just like, I looked at the reviews for this steakhouse you're trying to take me to. They're not good. Like I'm not taking you. She's she basically. She's I enjoyed like, Ribera. She's like I already went to Jerry Lawler's restaurant to look at the eight by tens. We're not doing it in Tokyo. <laughs> Ribera was Ribera was solid. My my wife enjoyed Ribera too. It was a good. It was an enjoyable steak. Well, maybe maybe your wife can convince her of that, but I feel like you won't. I feel like we like the same things. We both have glasses and a beard. I think she won't believe you. <laughs> maybe, but maybe seeing two people that look like this telling her, maybe she'll go, well, I guess I have to now. That seems uh, reasonable. I'm excited for that trip, and uh, that is that is... Now that I've I've already been bucket list check, but now to go with all my friends, new check, new check. We'll get there. We're we're. I feel like we're all in like a a weird traveling spot. We've all been in over the last year or so, and I think we're gonna we're gonna get out of here at some point. Um, at least that's what my therapist tells me to keep me sane. <laughs> when I look too sad, he's like, "Don't worry, Chris. It's gonna get better." Well, when you I and I do all the cocaine there is to do in Vegas and <laughs> go to the sphere and annoy everybody around it, I've <laughs> never done powdered drugs, my friends. I've never done injectable drugs. I uh, This went to a place that I didn't want it to go to. I will say one time, uh, a good good friend of mine named Jen from college, and uh, 
I always remember what she said to me the one time we were in a room together and someone offered me cocaine. She said, Chris, don't do that. You wouldn't like it. It's just, just don't do it. I was like, all right. Yeah, Jen. You're right. And then she leaned down and did the line of cocaine. <laughs> because she knew what was for her and not for me, you know? And that's friendship. That's friendship right there. <laughs> oh, my God. I do think that maybe I have to bring mushrooms back, though, for this dead show. I haven't done mm. mushrooms since college. And if I'm in a giant TV <laughs> with John Mayer and an old man playing me music. I feel like you might want to do that for the second show. You might want to just check out what it's like sober first. That's true. If I go there and uh, I don't know, I'm very excited. Like, honestly, the sphere quickly bumped Red Rocks down on the mm. list of venues and i think it's because when you look at the sphere and see how much money they lost in the first year it just feels like it might not be around as long as you'd <laughs> hope it would be red rocks red rocks is going to be there forever it's like an it's naturally created and beautiful the sphere that thing could go anytime it's <laughs> And that I say that, and then the next time I go to the try to go to Red Rocks, it's like, oh man, Wu Tang Clan's playing with a full orchestra. They're gonna play thirty six chambers in its entirety. Yeah, the hills do have an Arby's on them now, but <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, should we get out of here? Yeah, yeah, I think we did it. <laughs> we did, we did it. This was a weird one, guys. Um, I think we need to visit revisit some FMW for next week or do something. Yeah. Uh, do something fun like that. I was really, I was really vibing well with FMW. That was hitting a really good spot for me. There is something, you know, it really was hitting me during the pandemic. Um, but I'm still really feeling like there's something hitting my gut about watching '90s wrestling right now of, of sort of nostalgia and a certain warm feeling. But particularly, the beauty of FMW is I haven't seen all of it, and so there's still new things to discover. So. Honestly, I would even be okay with revisiting some stuff we have seen from the 90s. Because I just, I never really went back and watched very much other than just like a few key matches from my childhood. Honestly, there's a whole lot that's just sitting there. Sting. Honestly, we do need to, Derek and I, like, I know we we don't like Jericho again. So he can he can continue to block Derek if he needs to, mm -hmm. but uh, we we did that episode where we did, um, kind of a a career highlights of Jericho and everything he had done for us in hopes that he would unblock Derek, and he did mm -hmm. for some reason. I hate that we're six years removed from that, and we still don't know how Jericho found out. He's a searcher. Uh, he's a, he's a he's a vanity searcher. So I think I think that's, that's fucking. That's he definitely listened the, to that episode. For sure. In the history of this podcast, though, that's one of the crazier things that happened is Derek waking up to a tweet that is from Chris Jericho to Derek, just a wink face, and saw that he was unblocked. That's a great moment in this show's history. But yeah, we'll uh, do that for Sting. We'll go back, do a best of Sting. So much. So much best of Sting. You ever fight knobs? We'll find out for you. 
<laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at Chris Miggs, at Gartet. Listen to both of our other podcasts. I'm talking about erotic thrillers right now on the uh, Erotic Thriller Club. Just last week, we had a buddy of mine come on the show. He is Mr. Leather LA 2010, and we talked about the William Friedkin movie Cruisin' that made him want to be a leather daddy as a kid, and it it worked out for him. Listen to that episode. It's fucking crazy. It's fun. Yeah. On the flip side, I have Sullivan Street uh, podcast, which is about the band Counting Crows, and the last episode currently available, uh, we talked to a family about what brings them together about loving Counting Crows. So it's the literal opposite of what Garrett <laughs> just described. Um, and and but there's lots of ex- exciting things coming up. We have some actually some very cool interviews that I, I won't spoil. But uh, yeah, listen to us. Just listen to us talk. Because clearly, if you got to the end of this episode, you're not necessarily that invested in the wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> I do need to say, with that cruising episode, the first five minutes of that movie, a guy gives another guy a blowjob on a pile of um, wrestling magazines. Mm. They're literally like he's knees down on a pile of wrestling magazines, and you can see Bob Backlund clearly. So it is a little, there is some wrestle talk in there. If that's a little morsel that'll get you invested in the, uh, the eroticism of Al Pacino. Nothing says cruising like Bob Backlund. <laughs> I would love to know if Bob Backlund knew that his face is in that movie. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Hit our goddamn. Show.